Infinity is intelligence. With great sensitivity is intelligence. With grace and skill, you have abundance. Welcome to the Psychic Hour. Host Kelly Brickle is a psychic medium, numerologist, healer, and teacher. Her passions are learning about the soul and energy. Whether through spirit, emotion, or vibrational numbers, there is always a pathway of information waiting to help. Now, here is your host of the Psychic Hour, Kelly Brickle. everybody and welcome to the psychic hour thank you for being with me today and also our guest michael white um we had a little bit of a hiatus and we're back so thank you thank you um it is awesome to be back um you know it's it's a the love that you put your attention to with family and i was just making sure um, that family was tended to for a couple of weeks. And, um, then this comes next, right? Um, family and love comes first. So we're back with the psychic hour with that. And we always have a topic of the day. We always have topic of the day. And today's topic is patterns. And I feel like this is always important to review. Um, in any energetic work, understanding our patterns. And we have patterns in all of us. Um, The habits that we do, the thoughts that we think, the emotions that we feel, um, whether we're actively doing them or we're not, we're just thinking about them, we're just daydreaming about them. And, And really it's the patterns that we see in other people. And that's how we choose to make friendships or have relationships or partnerships, right? Uh, even in work, when we go, I like this person based on these things. I, I like the, these people based on these behaviors or choices or um, what I'm able to see um, with the subtleties or just the in-the-face stuff. And that's how we make decisions all day long. But sometimes we don't go and recheck and reevaluate our own patterns, our own subtleties. And they're everywhere. And with psychic mediumship or healing work or or reading work, um, we're asking people to, we're paying people even if we get a reading, um, what are my patterns? What comes up in my energy? And honestly, that's basically all it is on one really simplistic level. Um, Whether it's a spirit connection and you're going, this is the type of person they were and they really liked this and they really didn't like this. And they had a lot of that in their life. You know, they had a lot of uh, family in their life or they had a lot of creativity or they loved cooking or wow, they really, really didn't like though, um, you know, going out after dark or they really, really didn't like the rain. And you will know that from the patterns of emotion that come up or the patterns of how bright a picture is or how bright a feeling is or the enthusiasm within their words. And that's just an, the spirit connection of it, or you know that within a person of how likely, I guess, um, an event is coming up in their future based on their energy. Wow, your energy is really strong or sturdy like this. 
um, it feels like you're in line to keep going or wow, there's a lot of nervous energy or uncertainty, or you really haven't thought a lot about this, even though it gets you excited. You really haven't thought necessarily about the next step. So the energy is a little wonky. So you really have to change the way that you do things. And that's a lot of the times how psychics or mediums can understand energy, just the quality of it. Whether it is, let's say, something verbatim being told to us, and we go, oh, that's, that really sounds like this person, or definitely have a link with this person, or little bits of information we have to put together. And I do think, you know, when it comes to learning about ourselves, our own patterns, it's really good to not overthink things because a lot of times all the signs are there and it's not because it's like a woo-woo thing or it's not because it's, a, oh, I have to count for this and that and every little thing. It's just the simplicity of what's in front of us, the, the reality of truth. And, 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 and that doesn't take a lot to consider you just kind of accept it at times. I'm I'm behaving like this or, you know, what my longing or my feelings are. I constantly go back to that. And when you remove the overthinking, you just go, oh, this is what's being exhibited in my life. And what am I going to do about that? And and how do I really connect with that as, as me understanding myself as a person? So yeah, there, there's, don't, don't get me wrong. There's times to overthink it and have fun with it. Don't get me wrong. And there's times to, to really, um, just coast within your life and go, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm just living. But when it comes to, I think really integrating the patterns, um, have the simplicity of what's just right in front of me. Because I guarantee you, when you go to a psychic medium, they, in order to give you a good reading, they can't overthink what they're giving you. They're not supposed to really be thinking at all. They're just supposed to be receiving. And they just go, based on this, it's like this. And based on that, it's like that. And here's the energy. So if you were just very neutral and like you just had a pen or a pencil and you just wrote down the energy or the emotions or the thoughts and not overanalyzing of what just is coming up in your life or within the people around you with what you've noticed, what comes forth? It's rather simple sometimes to see. It's definitely rather simple to just observe. So However you are connecting to patterns, whether it's through uh, another person teaching you about patterns or you teaching yourself about patterns, it really is a way of energy and a way of life. And um, I wish you good fun, good insights, and good tidings within decoding your patterns. All right. With that said, um, we're going to bring Michael White in, our guest. And so I'm going to do that. And hey. oh, we're here. Hey. Tim, hey, Michael. Smooth. Thank you. Hi. <laughs> I'm glad it's smooth. I'm glad it's smooth. Right. That's all we can hope for. <laughs> <laughs> yep. True. Thank you. I want to give you a warm introduction for everybody um, coming into the show and learning about you. Michael White is a pragmatist with over 50 years of study into strange phenomena. Since his military retirement in 2002, 
Michael has been conducting paranormal investigations, amateur experiences into paranormal phenomenon, providing lectures on critical thinking and other topics, as well as consulting for several paranormal groups. With an extensive background in surveillance, perception, motivation, and reconstruction of events, he dissects and evaluates individual elements of the situation to gain better understanding of the cause of the activity. Michael is a member of the League of Extrasensory Gentlemen with Casey Goodwin, Ben Robeson, Neil McNeil, and Jay Verberg, who are currently filming an upcoming documentary, The Permanence, a paranormal case study, as well as an author of many books. Um, welcome. One of, the, one of the ones that really is a standout within your work is Chasing Thin Shadows, a, beginning, a beginner's guide to paranormal investigations. And that's kind of like when I, when I was introduced to that book, it got me really excited because I met you actually at a conference. Right. And that was the one that caught my eye. That was the book where I was just like, I have to read this. I still have yet to read it. I'm very honest. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I'm like, I have to read it. I really want to see things from the angle you see things. Because when I met you and talked to you, you're very just, yeah, you, the word is, and you even said, this is my word. Like, you're very practical, pragmatic. You want to see things for how they are. Right. You have devotion to that. Right. Well, thank you. Um you know, you mentioned that book, and th that was the that was the first. How should I say it? Civilian, because <laughs> I had published other stuff in the well, I was uh, active duty, but um, that was the first book that I published, and it was fourteen years ago wow. that I published that book. And I will tell you right now, preparing for this, I started going through this book and it was like i have learned so much from uh so many people uh, namely the league of extrasensory gentlemen uh casey goodwin ben, uh, ben robison um, neil mcneil especially uh who's fantastic wealth of information regarding paranormal and paranormal history and parapsychology um yeah, what it's really done is it's it's told me that I need to make a revision to this book um, just because there's just so much more. And, you know, if if someone writes something and then, you know, 10 years go by and they're still talking about the same stuff, that just shows you that they haven't learned anything in, in that amount of time. So uh, there are lots of things that I would change in here, but I think it's still – not that I want to cut my sales. I think it's still um, a good starting place for you know someone who's just interested, uh, wants to get involved with some kind of a paranormal investigation and doesn't know where to start. I think it's a good starting place still. Um, yeah. Yeah. That, and that's all I have to say about that. So. Okay. Well, <laughs> from the top, I mean, how did you get involved in paranormal investigation? You've been uh, doing this for a very long time. I have been doing this. I, I had a lot of weird experiences as a child. Um, and I was always kind of like that, that weird, that weird kid who liked the creepy stuff. So um, I was always going to different places that people were saying, don't go there because, you know, it's haunted or this or that, the other thing. Um, even when I was active duty, you know, I, I pulled into a particular port 
you know, I would kind of scope out where's the creepiest looking location. Let's see what that's all about. Um, now I don't even consider myself a paranormal investigator. I, I investigate unexplained activity because if you are going to go out and do what you call a paranormal investigation, it's hard to be objective when you're already throwing that term that whatever the activity is, it's paranormal. Um, I like unexplained activity a lot better because that opens up the playing field completely um, and doesn't already, you know, have a foregone conclusion that whatever is causing uh, activity or a problem or something like that, that it's paranormal in nature. So. That's true. Sometimes it's the electricity of an old house. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. On two occasions on investigations that I've had, um, both of them, same thing, same circumstances, whispering in the kitchen, you know, only at night. And using a very highly technical piece of uh, investigative equipment called the stethoscope, realized that it was the compressor in the refrigerator. Ah, uh, okay. And it, was, okay. it was always making those sounds, but it's just at nighttime, the house was quiet, you know. In both cases, they had kids, so, you know, it can be noisy during that <laughs> during the daytime. Um, yeah. So did it really, if I may ask, did it, did it just sound like a continuous whisper or did it sound like words to them? What was their experience? You know, cause it's not clicked on all the time. So it was just to them, it sounded like whispering words, you know, cause you know, it just wasn't functioning correctly. So, um, so yeah, I, I can't repair a refrigerator, but you know, I can tell if one's not working right. <laughs> Well, there's there's all these little things, right? There's all these little things that sometimes we get scared of and we think, okay, that it must have like this really creepy explanation or we want certain things to have an explanation and we label it as paranormal. And so you said to yourself, right. I consider myself an investigator of unexplained things now. Right. Well, several I've heard several people say this, and even one of the more popular television shows, that if circumstances aren't normal, then it's paranormal. And that just isn't true. It's just unexplained, you know. Um, I think people get too wrapped up in providing a quick answer to something as opposed to just kicking back and saying, I don't know, we need more data, and, and be satisfied with that. That's okay. Since you are so careful, and I appreciate that, um, has there been investigations where you're like, I just don't have an explanation for this one? Um, there's some very outlier information going on. Um, it could be something, not sure, but it definitely could be something. Yeah. Well, it's always something. It's just that okay. we can't always put a label on, on what it is. Um, and, you know, there's always, you could say, oh, it can be this, it can be that. My first, my first go-to certainly isn't a ghost, you know, or, or, or a spirit or however people want to look at it. Um, it. It's still just unexplained until it comes up with an explanation. Uh, and 
quite honestly, I'm, I am so fine and comfortable saying, I just don't know. Um, it's so much more responsible saying that than throwing out a bunch of things with my personal beliefs. Um, too many people I think might be, might have a cognitive bias when it comes to their belief systems that when they see something that automatically confirms what they think, uh, their belief system already if that made sense wow i feel like i went in a circle there but that's no no it's just yeah people are just saying how can i put it people i i understand what you you meant people are just confirming their beliefs through their fears or their experiences rather than thinking otherwise yeah and and personally you know if i if and i don't do a whole lot of investigations now because well, we can get into that in a minute. But uh, when I do, I don't go in there with any, uh, any expectations, um, you know, especially if the nature of the activity isn't 24-7. Um, because it's pretty rare if there is any kind of activity that occurs like that, you know, you, you don't get like in poltergeist, you don't get to go to that room where all the chairs are spinning around and, and the books flying around and stuff like that. Although that would be cool. Um, (laughs) But you know, it just doesn't happen. So, I mean, it's these little, little tiny snippets of, of time. So let's say in 50 years, you had maybe 10 minutes of activity. What do you think your chances are for a five-hour investigation, five, six-hour investigation on one particular day that just happened to work out for you and your team that everybody was off that day? Um, You know, it's pretty slim that you're going to notice anything. However, there are lots of people who do go out and do these investigations and then come up with all of this data in EVP data, EVPs, um, visual data, and and so forth. Um, Is it really proof of the activity or is it their perception of the activity um, being displayed? So, yeah, there's, there's, there's a whole lot. And, and being a pragmatist, when you go out and do a pragmatic investigation, it's a lot different. Um, we, use, we use a lot of different terms. Uh, personification being one of those terms, whereas somebody is taking whatever the activity is, you know, and attaching something more to it, um, a human presence to it when it was just a knock. And, and we can talk about that. Uh, later on, if you want, we can go over through some scenarios that are kind of made up. At least I make them up from my lectures and uh, kind of well, go over the pragmatism of it. What is the personification that you talk about, like that people apply in investigations? Uh, well, you know, if somebody notices a figurine that was on the mantelpiece, you know, fall off and break, other than you know, what they observed right there, they, they personify it saying, oh, well, Uncle Bill, who passed on, always hated that figurine. So now there's a whole story attached to that one little event that really didn't have anything to do with it. Um, that's the kind of stuff I look at. When, when somebody is giving you an initial report 
of, of paranormal activity. Um, I think a lot of people are just taking the superficial end. Okay, um, this flew across the room or this, you know, happened. Um, when I listen to one of those reports, I want to know, okay, what was going on in that person's life to make them, might make them perceive the occurrence uh, at, from their perspective. Um, if somebody says something along the lines of, I had just woken up and, you know, I heard this, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I'm wondering, you know, is, is this perhaps a hypnopompic hallucination? Um, you know, what was going on? Or uh, I don't want to jump ahead to something else I was going to say. But, uh, but really, you can get an awful lot off of the initial report of activity that is more than just what occurred. Um, finding out a little bit more about what that person's perception, what their worldview is. Um, are, they, are they a fearful person? Um, I think there are several groups out there that do a really good job with those initial interviews, client interviews. Um, I know that uh, both ASEP, and I, if I had to tell you what that acronym really is, stood for, I would totally mess it up. So I'm not going to, but that's uh, my dear friend, Ben Robison's group, both ASEP as well as Oregon Paranormal. When they have an initial interview with a client, they film it. So they can actually, you know, see the mannerisms uh, of the person speaking, um, be able to review it, uh, get a lot more out of out of that than just a handwritten, hey, this is what happened. Um, I think that's a really good tool, especially if you want to get a glimpse into that, how that person perceives the world. Um, wow, I feel like I really talked for a long time. That's okay. Um, <laughs> so what you're getting into is it's understanding the environment and the people who yeah are asking for help as well as maybe learning the history of maybe the property, the spirit, who they are feeling they're connecting to. You're understanding the psychology of the situation because people personify what they believe rather than what is happening. And you're there to investigate what is real. So you have to strip the parts down. Exactly. Wow. You said that really well. You, the next time I give a lecture on critical thinking and doing pragmatic investigations, I'd really like to have you there. <laughs> hey, I'm just, I'm just repeating what you said. I'm, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm with, I'm letting you know I'm with you. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Yeah. I mean, the fact, the fact is, and a lot of people don't realize this is that you don't see with your eyes, you don't hear with your ears. You see with your brain and, and you hear with your brain. That's where the processing goes. I mean, this is just collecting light and these are just collecting vibrations. All of that is being deciphered inside your brain. And if your brain is also including a bunch of belief systems and a certain uh, way of thinking, then it's going to be distorted from what anyone else is going to see. Not necessarily wrong, but it's going to be distorted. 
So we never see the same thing. No, no, we, we, we try our best to. Um, it, and it, it's very cool, too. So there's a comment from Ben Robinson, um, and he broke down the acronym ASEP, <laughs> Autonomous Studies of the en- Enigmatic and Paranormal. Well, he, you said that really well. You know, I try saying that it comes out asymmetrical swirls eating pizza. <laughs> that's, that's, I would probably have to do something like that to, to memorize it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But ben, Ben's really good about that. And I'm glad he's there because I can't see if I had a bunch of the chat stuff on here, it would just distract me. So I try to. There's a lot of moving stuff. parts. There's a lot yeah. of moving parts. <laughs> So do you feel like when you're on investigations, um, how can I put this? I'm going to, I'm going to restructure the question. Do you pick your team or sometimes do you just find yourself in places where you go, okay, I'll be a part of this team and let's see what happens. How do you, how do you go about it? Well, you know, I, I don't really have a team per se anymore. Um, And it's, but I do do consulting work for other teams. So, you know, I I will be invited or uninvited as the case may be. Um, But, you know, right now I've, I've primarily been uh, primarily been focusing, uh, working with, uh, with Casey Goodwin and Ben Robison, um, Neil and, and Jay uh, and, it's worked out, but I've worked with, with a lot of teams and um, it, it's worked out for the most part. Some only a couple occasions it didn't work out so much because too many, a lot of groups have a particular philosophy or a particular way of, of uh, perceiving the situation with a, with a particular bias or agenda, and I don't, I don't have that, you know, because if I do go in somewhere, I, this is standalone. It doesn't have anything to do with, you know, a prior investigation or a prior experience. It's this particular case, because you can only be objective if you're looking at what is currently going on around you at this time. I totally derailed my train of thought right there. Oh, where was I? It, it can be a, it can be a soupy day sometimes with the yeah. weather. We've been having a lot of rain, and sometimes that contributes to going. Where is my brain at? Yeah. Um, I do feel <laughs> like with the little that I know. So I, you know, I'm slowly learning more about kind of investigations in various ways. But I do think it takes a certain like chemistry of the group and. A similar thinking of the group because people can have their own agendas or people can really um, kind of skew things depending on their own belief systems within the actual investigation, not just the people that you are investigating. Sure. So, yeah, I would, you would need yeah. a good team to be on the same page. Well, yes and no. I, okay. I'll disagree with you a little bit there. Um, you know, even within the group we call ourselves the league, um, you know, we all have different belief systems. Um, We all have different ways of investigating, but we have the respect for one another to, you know, accept that and perhaps um, 
look at how someone else is, you know, finding some information a little bit more objectively. Um, I, I am not a psychic medium, but yet if I'm working with one, you know, I'm not going to say, oh, just because I can't feel that or I don't see what they're seeing or feel what they're feeling or anything like that that makes them wrong. Um, excuse me, I just got a spam call. <laughs> so um, with with having a team, um, do you all agree up with the equipment that you're bringing in? Do you agree, let, let's say, if you bring a psychic medium in or if you bring another type of tool to try to understand what's going on? Is there all a consensus between each of you or do you kind of just show up and, and figure out how you're going to do it? Oh, there, there's always a consensus on how we're going to approach it. And it has to do quite a bit with having a goal in mind uh, in the first place, which is something that's severely lacking as far as the, you know, popular television shows go. Um, you know, you have a goal. What is the investigative goal? Um, you can take a look at some of the posts that different groups will make, even on Facebook. Hey, we're doing an investigation, looking forward to all the EVPs, um, et cetera, et cetera. It's like, well, wait a minute. Why, why are you already having some foregone conclusions about what you're going to get before you actually do any kind of an investigation? I mean, it could be uh, completely bogus you know and i don't like to use the word debunk because to debunk something means that there's intentional falsification going on yeah. so if you find an explanation for something you find an explanation you haven't debunked anything if you walk into a house and somebody has clearly made recordings of a ghost saying woo you know in the hallway or whatever then you can debunk that because there's falsification involved. Um, yeah. With Once the neutrality again, of not trying to debunk things, then what EVPs have you, you recorded or what other device um, devices have you picked up information on where you go, hmm, that, that was an interesting one. I'm not sure about that one. Uh, I have to remain neutral. Yeah, there's, you know, there's quite a bit of, of stuff that I've seen over the years, you know, that just makes me scratch my head. You know, where did that come from? Or um, I was doing an investigation. Actually, it was an experiment. It was an experiment using what was a device called the SB7. I don't know if you're familiar with that device. It's, it's a spirit box. It scans through uh, radio frequencies, either AM or FM, and supposedly uh, spirits, ghosts, are supposed to be able to speak through the white noise that oh, between yeah. the stations. Yes, I, I know what that is now, yes. So I was just doing an experiment with this thing. Um, it is an awfully noisy piece of equipment. I think I'd, I'd consider it waterboarding for ghosts. I mean, it is just loud and obnoxious. And I had no expectations of it being worth anything. And the reason why is that when it goes through these stations, 
unless you have an identical piece of equipment with with uh, a transcript of what's being broadcast on each one of those stations simultaneously, you cannot mm. tell if those words are just words that it's picking up as it's scrolling through, you know, with any radio station. You know, if you could do that in your car, of course. I, I'm turning a knob, you know, it kind of shows you how old I am. Turning a knob for the radio station. I'll turn a knob for the radio in the car. <laughs> uh, so I'm doing this thing with Pete Orbea of, uh, of Port Gamble. He's a Port Gamble town manager up there. And um, we're in the Walker Ames house. And clear as a bell from the speaker is, hi, Pete. And it's like, okay. All right. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I want to continue this anymore because it's. I, I was so ready to de, not debunk, but really just say that this is a worthless piece of junk, you know. Um, and then that came through, and it's like, oh. So I, I don't know what to take with that. I mean, the the chances are that it could have been just snippets of little bits of conversation through different radio stations, is possible. But to specifically identify Pete, who has been in that house countless number of times, uh, yeah, I kind of shook my head on that one. But uh, I do think that, and this is just my personal belief, that when you have enough, um, like, randomness, uh, it can filter into something specific when you have another force at play. So I do think some of those things are possible. as long as you have a focus from a certain consciousness, whether your own or a spirit, some things can get narrowed in and you can have some really unique experiences. Um, mm. That's very specific. Hello, Pete. Yes. Um, from like a, a box like that. Yeah. And, um, you know, it amazes me personally, and this is something I still have to wrap my head around is why some places uh, have more activity than others. And, you know, there's, how do they say? It has been said, of course, whenever I hear it has been said, I know that whatever comes after it is usually nonsense. Um, That, Places that have had a lot of emotional, you know, high emotional stress activity uh, are going to be haunted later on, right? Not necessarily. Yeah, that's how I feel about it, too. Of course, I don't believe in ghosts. So, you know, it's a a different perspective. So, but what I'm wondering is those people who believe that you know, if somebody was killed in a certain area or something like that, that there's going to be a haunting taking place. Uh, I have a hard time wrapping my head around that for a simple reason that you and I started this conversation about a half hour ago or so. Okay. Since then, we are hundreds of miles from where we started in, in, the actual space in the universe. We've actually traveled a couple hundred miles because the Earth's turning, the Earth's turning around the sun, the sun is going around the, you know, the galaxy, the galaxy is flying off into the universe. 
So that space where we started is, you know, probably in vacuum somewhere in the middle of space. Wow, from a physics perspective, see, I don't know the stats on that. That's pretty amazing just to think about that, though. Yeah, so if somebody says that, you know, a tragic event happened in this location, blah, 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 and they keep on coming back to that location to see if, you know, more activity is generated because of that, it, it, it doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense to me because that particular space that that happened in is, you know, at that time, thousands, if not, you know, hundreds of thousands of miles away. So it, it makes it very curious. To me, that means that most likely if there was going to be some kind of recording of the event in the structure itself, you know, so how are we actually influencing, you know, the walls, the, the floor, um, the foundation, just by virtue of living there? So, um, like, I'm not an expert, definitely not. But in, like, quantum physics with, like, non-local, um, like, reality, um, if there's, let's say, time or definitely space shared with um, a person, um, the there are particles shared, and that one person could be in New York, maybe you know the next day, and the other person, like, let's say, returns to L.A. or France or wherever. So they're you know they're miles and miles apart, but since they share particles, the particles can still respond and react to one another, even without the physical closeness. So. I, I, you know, I really like that just thought that you put out there with, it's like we're moving constantly, things are changing constantly. And, you know, the way that sun and light is hitting us, we're, we're not in the same area, even like close to what originally was the occurrence. But I do think we share energy. I do think we share energy. And I do think like, Sometimes even you don't even have to be local with a person to share energy. Like I'll meet people on Zoom all the time and it's just like I can I can feel them or interact with them and they're not even anywhere close to me, but somehow I'm sharing energy with them. And and even when I leave, that remains. Or, you know, sometimes when you are just going about your day and you think about, let's say, your mom or your brother or a friend and all of a sudden they call like there's some type of connection going on. There's some type of thread where you're, you're aware of it as it comes and it's not like a a spatial thing. It's a connective thing. And when we like read spirit too, or other people, as long as you, you find that connective thread, you can start to get information. For a lot of people, it's like it's a heart connection, right? And I do feel like some locations just have more of that. And I don't, I don't know why. Like, okay. uh, is there a purpose at play? And they want, you know, there's a higher power wanting us to learn about the energy there or the spirits are just, you know, very within their form um, of their personality at that time, were they just very social? And so they're happy to kind of uh, share that part of their consciousness with others. Uh, I don't know, but like the Walker's Ames house, for instance, like I walked in there and 
I was like, oh, I, I definitely am getting stuff more than the other places. It's it's way easier to pick up on some energy. Like, was I hit over the head with a mallet at times with it? No, but I was able to tune into it way easier than any of the other locations. That's for right. sure. Right. Well, that's good information. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm rambling too, see? But like... Um, I, I just, I do think there's certain locations that, yeah, that just allow you to interact with it. And so I'm curious on your perspective of that. And I, I also think it's just kind of something to play around with too. I mean, when I was looking for houses, you know, and, and, and understanding, okay, where do I want to live and what, what looks good? And, you know, you meet up with either realtors or you meet up with like these, um, showings, right? right. Um, for right. the weekend, usually, especially you just walk into the house and sometimes you go, well, this kind of, this place feels a little bit funny. And usually it's not necessarily a spirit reason, but you can actually feel the emotion of the house. Like you can right. feel that somebody sometimes was fighting in a house or, so there's a lot of things to pick up on. And it's just like, what are we picking up on? Right. Very good. There's a lot, there's a lot, there's a lot of stuff, right? There's a lot of stuff. Yeah. But what, what to you, if you can just even feel or, or, or think or whatever comes into your consciousness, why do you think the Walker's Ames house of all the houses in Port Gamble is probably the place with the most activity other than maybe the prominent figures living there? You know, honestly, I don't know. I mean, I've done... I've done quite a few investigations in that house and uh, it, just about every single time, you know, I kind of walk out scratching my head, you know, wondering, wow, that, that was, that was different. You know, um, I've never gotten anything definitive said, Oh yes, this is, you know, ghosts, but I've certainly got a lot of things that indicated that might be true. Um, I was doing an investigation uh, with uh, oh, a dear friend named Katie. And we were having, I think it was her birthday party. So we were going to have some birthday cake in the kitchen. And she says, oh, absolutely. This is my happy place. Well, you know, we had recorders going on at the time. I heard a small child say, Happy, happy place. So, and of course, there was no small child with us, you know, during this. But that it took what she had said and then basically mimicked it. Um, it was it was really interesting. Uh, Port Gamble's a, a cool place, so you know, I, I really like that place. I like the fact that if I'm going to spend time doing an investigation that it's not going to waste my time, you know, um, the least it's going to give me something to, to think about for a while. Um, plus it's a, you know, that's really a beautiful house. I mean, it's just so picturesque where it is, you know, on the, from the outside, you know, you could use some work on the inside, but, um, yeah, what a, what a cool little town. And the fact that, I don't know, uh, I, what does is, what is Pete Orbea say? He, think, he thinks, uh, he says, 
they just don't want to leave it just because it's such a, a cool place. And I don't know, maybe he's right. I don't know. But I, and whether or not we discover the reasons why Walker Ames is the way it is, you know, in our, um, in our production, uh, I don't know. Uh, I think it's too early to tell. You know? I, th- um, I think there's, you know, purpose at play for things. I am, you know, there are sometimes, again, a lot of heart within a town or, or people mm-hmm. have a connection in a certain way. And the founders lived in the Walker's Ames house and they were responsible for the production of the town. And and really, they're responsible for a lot of the reason the town still makes money. You sure. know, so they're looking after the town and um, it gives them some type of joy pleasure or maybe even in the absence of those things purpose because they're providing experiences for people to learn um i i do feel like the the spirit world's intelligent so it's like i don't know there's some things when you look at it you're like well that's more of a win-win than a lose right so people are making money the town still has a history an active history um, the town is known for that. The town is known for the tours. Sure. Yeah. 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 Just, I don't, I, there's not a lot of, in, there's not a lot of haunted places that I've been to because it's, it's not something that necessarily had grabbed me earlier in my, in my work. I was like looking into kind of debunking, I guess, more mental constructs than physical constructs. Right. Um, but now that I'm kind of able to I travel and do some of these things, I, I am more curious about it. I really am of why, you know, certain, whether it's like an entity or a spirit likes to come back so much to a certain location. Wow. You you had touched on something about uh, mutual attraction and, and what type of a, a spirit. I forget how that two things kind of work together. But I have a question for you as a psychic medium, if you don't mind. Yeah, sure, go for it. Okay, so there was a there was a case of a, a well liked guy in the I think it's the early 1900s uh, who somehow or another got a railroad spike through his brain. Okay. And he lived through it. They removed it and he lived through it. But after that uh, circumstance, he, his personality changed. He, he was not a very likable person. He wasn't very trustworthy and, and so forth. So my question to you is, his personality changed specifically because of the physical damage to his brain. So, so if that person passes on, what spirit is left? Is it, is it the likable guy who started out before he had his incident or what he turned into after that? Sure. Yeah. So like, I'm going to answer you from a philosophical place, but also also an experiential place um, of my personal experiences. So it's just personally me. And I, there's a couple other people that I I know kind of 
in this work thinks similarly. Not everyone does. Um, but I, so, so to answer you, um, so I'm Kelly Brickle right now and you're Michael White right now. And that is not the totality of who I am as a soul or a spirit or who you are. It's just a piece of the experience of our spiritual evolvement, nature, um, our existence. And so when we pass, um, we're still connected to the experiences of, let's say, Michael White and Kelly Brickle, but we don't remain in the persona um, because we were never that persona starting. We're just connected to the energy of the people who knew us as that and the experiences that we had through that. So when we go to the other side, we're connected to something so much bigger, um, our, ourselves, first of all, and then something that created ourselves or something that presupposed this reality. So it's a completely different um energy it's a completely different intelligence it's a completely different experience and you tap into the evidence of who the person was through the personality of the timeline let's say of kelly brickle kelly brickle when she was younger was very spastic but kelly brickle when she's 30 is a little bit more like um planning like a little bit more of a planner a little bit more of a, a calm energy right so like who we are um, as three years old versus 30, very different. Or, you know, at one time, maybe I'm more um, mistrusting in, in, in another era of my of my life as Kelly Brickle, I'm more open. You, you know what I mean? So you look at the totality of who the person was over their lifetime rather than their justice now. And that that really translates to the overall spirit of we are just like we're a piece of the pie right now in our experience right now we're just a piece of who we are okay is that that was a brilliant answer yeah no i I thought that that was great you know i i had had some um hypothesis about it as a matter of fact in um my i wrote a supernatural thriller called wrath of innocence and whereas the uh, spirit of a young girl uh, who had Down syndrome, her spirit was actually intelligent and lucid. But because of the physical uh, defects of her brain, um, you know, during her lifetime, uh, she, w- she was limited. But in, in her spirit, she wasn't. So, um so I was that. really happy that you you said that. So thanks. I think there's crossovers in that too. I mean, I know some mediums that are, and this is an evolving perspective because uh, it wasn't really talked about a lot, and it's not. It, it's only been considered kind of in the last couple of years that I've been hearing people talk about it. But when they go to locations, like, and again, this is just my perspective. It's not that we're actually communing with a spirit that can't leave or a spirit that's just there. It's literally one piece of the energy that um, is is available because of their connection to the property or the land. And then you're you're able to interact with that. And it's 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 not because they're bound there. It's like a piece of them 
is just attracted to that location because mm-hmm. of the experience of what they they went through there. Um, but it's like they're they're free though. It's just like just like you, you know with your your, your thriller, um, the the spirit of the little girl is not bound just by the kind uh, the the not all of a sudden the word threw out of my mind. Um, it's the spirit of the little girl is not bound by the constraints of her physical body. Just like right. we're not bound by the constraints of a location or just because we saw the person or heard the person, it means their whole being is there. No, only a fraction of their being is there. And I, I just, I don't think that people are trapped or have to go into the light, but that's my personal belief. I know people have experienced otherwise and I respect people's experiences, but I really liked how you said like, you know, like attracts, um, like, like attracts like. And so I was thinking, you know, like from just like the physics perspective, um, you know, the spirit has just had an, uh, an emotional experience or a meaningful experience there. And that's why their energy on some level gets attracted back there because it meant something to them. So mm. the, the, the energy is just an easy hit because there was so much experience there. Was it classically emotional, bad or good? Maybe not, but there was enough generated where it's an easy tap in. And then maybe, you know, there's like purpose as well within that but i i i think most of this breaks down to physics honestly like but then there's like other things at play but i think the actual energy phenomenon has a lot of physics like tied in so i don't know you're making me think that's the way we should be you know like i said everybody's really quick on coming up with quick answers that not might not suit everyone actually if we came up with better questions that's that's more important so yeah, we don't know what the heck's going on, but we're trying our best. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that should be okay. So. Yeah. No, but I, I like how, you know, re- you return to that place when you're just talking about moving through the universe and, you know, like attracts like and just some basic fundamentals because um, I think those are the vehicle. Those, those, those principles of physics describe the vehicle of how it's possible, but the actual like emotion and meaning and purpose, I do think it's bigger than like yeah. us or just bigger than just the mechanism of what's happening or can happen. True. True. You know, and it's, I think the true enjoyment for me anyway, is, um, is the trying to figure it out. Um, you may not ever figure it out and and that's okay. You know, it's like trying to, trying to find the meaning of life. I mean, what if you did find out the meaning of life? What are you going to do then? You know, or if you find out it's something really disappointing, like the the whole reason why you're alive is to support intestinal bacteria. You know, I mean, just, <laughs> it's just yep. it's pretty much a letdown, man. So let's just go ahead. Just look forward to uh, trying to figure it out and leave it at that. It could be very matrixy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, right? Sure. Like, we could just be batteries. There's there's a lot of oddities at play. We could be in a simulation. Um, we could be skimming past the code of the simulation, or we could just be looking into actual programming of the simulation. 
who who knows? I have no idea either. I I, I don't know, but um, I do sure like talking about energy, and I do think there's certain things that line up where you go, okay, there's something to that, and like just with like if you have a loved one, whether they're living or past, and they made a serious impression on you, like it could be like your best friend or someone you had a significant relationship with, um, you're always going to remember them in some way. And that, that feeling and those experiences really bind you and they become a part of you. And I, and I right. feel like that's the reason we're able to tap into things. It's just, we, we shared energy on a deep enough level even if it was just a mental experience that we were transformed and now, Oh, and I'm trying to delete things and they're coming up on screen. <laughs> and so we're, we, we were, we were transformed. We're transformed and we're able to connect to things other than ourselves in a way that is very real. Cause a lot of times we have this singular experience and we're like, well, I'm the only thing that's real and let's see whatever else around me is real too but like really we're sharing energy and we're transformed and then we're just learning more about ourselves through other things and what our capabilities are so just because like you know there's a ghost in a, in a haunted house and we think whoa that can't be real well our energy can do those things well once we leave our physical body too probably it's not because it's just that one event we're just learning more about ourselves through all these things, I think. That's it. How are we doing on time? We're for the last couple of minutes. Oh, okay. Wow. So we wrap up at 210, <laughs> at least on the West Coast. Okay. So um, what do you have going on right now? I know you have a documentary you're in the works of. What yeah. project that is, um, do you want to share? The documentary, Walker Ames, a... a uh, paranormal case study it is occupying my mind the most. Um, but I'm also in the middle of writing two books too. I, I just finished a vegan cookbook <laughs> and I will never write another cookbook because you know what happens when you write a cookbook, you, you start looking through it and you find mistakes and you're just like, I'm not going to republish this. I'm just going to let it go <laughs> because I got to move on. No, no revisions for that one. <laughs> yeah, no revisions for that one. No. It, you know, the thing is, is I love to cook, but um, I, I don't want, I don't want that to be all there is. A cookbook is a lot more work as far as I'm concerned than writing a fiction novel. Because you've got to, you know, first you have to test out your recipe, make sure it's good, and then take a picture, pretty picture of it. And, oh, no, I'm, I'm done with that. <laughs> I'm never you just got to have fun. You just got to have right. fun. It, it was fun. But now that it's over, it's like, I'm not doing that again. No, let's, let's just call that in a, a historical. But, uh, but, yeah, I think right now the focus is uh, is is reconnecting with my friends after things got kind of messed up with COVID and all of that jazz and focusing on this documentary and, and, and getting back to all the good things in, in life, you know, friendship and, and, and work that's beneficial for the soul. So 
that's that's my big goals right now. Okay, so getting back, and if if people wanted to, I guess, reach out and ask about paranormal or other things that you have authored that you want to share with fiction or even the cooking aspects of what you share with people with um, your vegan cookbooks, how can people find you? Oh, just, you know, look me up on Facebook. That's, that's the easiest way. And then I can redirect them to the page of <laughs> whichever makes sense <laughs> of, that, of their interest. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah. Okay. You're a Renaissance man, but you're working on a docu- documentary right now. And so I'm really excited to see how that turns out. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And, and best of luck with everything you've got going on. Thank you. I appreciate it. You know, we're all rooting each other on, you know, we're all rooting each other on. And, the way it um, should be. Yeah. Exactly. And so I'm, I'm happy to have met you through like the, the paranormal lens, like, um, cause that's, that's how we run into each other. Um, and with that said, I always want to let I always, how can I put this? All of a sudden my mind is soupy. <laughs> I always make sure that the guest has the last word, whether it's like an inspirational um, quote they want to share, a belief, or just something off the top of their head, what they want to leave the audience with. And it can be really creative or really thought out, but I always give the last word to the guest. Wow. Okay, basically what I live by. When in doubt, do the right thing. That's it. I like it. I like it. It's simple but powerful. So we're we're right on time with that. And so thank you for, for being here, um, Michael, and sharing you. um, your philosophies and the things that you do within your work. I very much appreciate to hear your perspective. Um, If you want to check out one of Michael's uh, case studies, um, I've put it in the comments. If you can um, look over there, you can find more about his work. And with that said, thank you everybody for being here today. Uh, We will commence next week and start back with the psychic hour, the numerology hour, and also more of the interview series. So thank you for being back with all of us. Please go with love light luck and don't forget to live everybody take care see you next